Action Research Epistemology Quality Criteria for Practitioner Action Research Terms like validity and trustworthiness are used to describe quality criteria for quantitative and qualitative academic research. Validity is a term favored by quantitative researchers, and trustworthiness is favored by qualitative researchers. The choice of language for quality criteria for action research is important because to use either term risks being evaluated by inappropriate criteria. Some have suggested the term workability as a term more appropriate to action research. However, we find this notion of what works to be too utilitarian. Eventually, action researchers will develop a language system more appropriate to the particular dilemmas involved in action research. But for the purposes of this book, we use validity and trustworthiness, with the caveat that neither is a particularly good fit. In a general sense, internal validity or trustworthiness refers to the trustworthiness of inferences drawn from data. Quantitative researchers tend to use statistical analyses to make these inferences, whereas qualitative researchers tend to use qualitative data. External validity refers to how well these inferences generalize to a larger population or are transferable to other contexts. Because academic educational researchers are part of a positivistic tradition inherited from the natural sciences via the discipline of psychology, they consider the notion of statistical validity to be of utmost importance in educational research. The influence of ethnography and qualitative case study methods tempered this tendency for a while, but in recent years there seems to be a return, at least in the federal government, to an emphasis on positivist statistical research methods. Because qualitative researchers have developed their own set of rules about the validity, which they call trustworthiness, of qualitative research findings, we will review these rules before proposing new ones for practitioner action research. Although qualitative researchers are not in total agreement, they generally reject the claims of positivism that research is fundamentally about pursuing truth value, internal validity, by demonstrating that causes and their effects have been isolated. Lincoln and Guba propose that the comparable standard of trustworthiness is more appropriate for naturalistic, for example qualitative, inquiry. A study's trustworthiness involves the demonstration that the researchers' interpretations of the data are credible or ring true to those who provided the data, and that multiple data sources have been compared or triangulated. Although the standards for qualitative or ethnographic inquiry are different from those used by quantitative researchers, they may not be appropriate for action researchers. This is partly because qualitative researchers tend to be outsiders, studying settings in which they are not true participants. Practitioner action researchers, on the other hand, are insiders studying their own setting. Most qualitative or ethnographic researchers want to study a phenomenon in its natural setting, thus the term often used to describe this approach, naturalistic inquiry. To the extent that researchers act within or change a setting through their presence, they contaminate the setting. Though somewhat overstated, a qualitative researcher wants to be a fly on the wall, observing a social setting as it develops independently of the researcher. While it is true that traditional ethnographers often lived in the communities they studied, had key informants, and interacted with participants in order to gain access to the setting and to gain their trust, the basic position of outsider is intentionally maintained. In many ways, the two groups have opposite dilemmas. Academic researchers, outsiders, want to understand what it is like to be an insider without going native and losing the outsider's perspective. Practitioners, insiders, already know what it is like to be an insider, but because they are native to the setting, they must work to see the taken-for-granted aspects of their practice from an outsider's perspective. 
This is further complicated by the fact that many academic researchers have, in fact, been school practitioners as well as having experienced schools as a student, and are, therefore, in some sense, both insiders and outsiders. Moreover, many school practitioners have been socialized into academic research through graduate study and have internalized many outsider social categories. Therefore, the distance between university researchers or practitioners and school practitioners and researchers is sometimes not as great as we make it out to be in theory. Furthermore, qualitative researchers do not always agree among themselves about the purposes of research and the criteria for validity. For example, some qualitative researchers, often called critical or feminist ethnographers, prefer a more interventionist, emancipatory approach to qualitative research. Because of the more traditional qualitative researchers fly-on-the-wall approach to school and classroom observation, some critical and feminist researchers claim that qualitative research is mired in positivism, in that it, quote, affirms a social world that is meant to be gazed upon, but not challenged or transformed, end quote. In spite of some common experiences with schooling and an expressed openness to collaboration, the culture of the university research community and that of school practitioners are characterized by very different purposes, norms, views of valid knowledge, and work conditions. For instance, the purposes of academic qualitative research and practitioner action research are fundamentally different. Qualitative research belongs to the knowledge creation slash dissemination slash utilization model of applied knowledge, in which knowledge is generated by university researchers and disseminated to practitioners, who apply it in their settings. By contrast, most action research is utilized in the same setting in which it is created. Furthermore, Many qualitative researchers and most action researchers still see the social sciences as the model for what they consider data or evidence for assertions. This usually involves some form of observation, interview, study, or archival or document analysis methods. More narrative types of qualitative and action research drawing from the humanities are often viewed with suspicion. While we have addressed these humanities-oriented approaches to some extent throughout this book, we recommend further reading in this area if you think such an approach will better capture your findings. An intense debate has taken place between defenders of action research and those who largely dismiss it as serious research. For example, Huberman criticizes Cochrane Smith and Little, Miller, Gallus, and others who defend action research done by teachers as guilty of hubris because of what he considers exaggerated claims for action research. For many academics, the acceptance of action research is given only on the condition that a separate category of knowledge be created for it. This is usually expressed as some variation on formal, created in universities, knowledge, versus practical, created in schools, knowledge, and a strict separation of research from practice. For example, Richardson defines action research as practical inquiry that focuses on the improvement of practice and then uses her own definition to relegate it to secondary status when compared with formal research. Finstermacher declares that practical knowledge results from participating in and reflecting on action and experience, is bounded by the situation or context in which it arises, may or may not be capable of immediate expression in speech or writing, and deals with, quote, how to do things, the right place and time to do them, or how to see and interpret events related to one's actions, end quote. In response, Cochrane, Smith, and Little reject the formal-slash-practical knowledge dualism as unhelpful and see it as greatly limiting the very nature of teaching and action research, which they claim is more about, quote, 
how teachers' actions are infused with complex and multi-layered understandings of learners, culture, class, gender, literacy, social issues, institutions, communities, materials, texts, and curricula. It is about how teachers work together to develop and alter their questions and interpretive frameworks informed not only by thoughtful consideration of the immediate situation and the particular students they teach and have taught, but also by the multiple contexts, social, political, historical, and cultural, within which they work. End quote. Clannanen and Connolly have further argued that outsider knowledge is often experienced by teachers as a rhetoric of conclusions, which enters the practitioner's professional landscape through informational conduits that funnel propositional and theoretical knowledge to them with little understanding that their landscape is personal, contextual, subjective, temporal, historical, and relational among people. Clearly, the formal-slash-practical knowledge debate is about more than research. It is about the very nature of educational practice itself. We think this dialogue among academic gatekeepers and practitioners is a healthy one and hope that practitioner action researchers will soon be accepted into it as equals. Nevertheless, action researchers are well advised to think through the epistemological implications of insider research, in which knowledge utilization and creation alternate as action informs theory and theory informs action, with the goal of understanding and changing practice. In this type of research, academic conceptions of validity, whether quantitative or qualitative, are of limited use to the action researcher. If action researchers are to be accepted in a larger dialogue about education, they must develop some inquiry criteria for their research. This is not to say that they need to justify themselves by the same inquiry criteria as for academic research, but rather that they must make the case for a different conception of validity. This conception of validity should respond to the purposes and conditions of practitioner action research and the uniqueness of its contribution to the dialogue. The very condition of being a teacher requires a certain appreciation for the differences between rigorous and sloppy work, between analysis and mere opinion. Educational practitioners routinely apply these criteria to their students' work, and there is no reason to believe they would resist applying them to their own and each other's work. In fact, as we discussed below, the project of defining inquiry criteria for action research is currently underway. Criteria for validity or trustworthiness in practitioner action research. As we mentioned in Chapter 1, practitioners do research in their sites for different reasons. If the purpose of action research is to produce knowledge for dissemination in fairly traditional channels, such as dissertations, journals, then the criteria for a valid or trustworthy study may be different from the criteria of practitioners who organize their research around specific problems within an action context and recycle the knowledge back into that context. Furthermore, whereas social science research often fetishizes method, Action research is less dependent on research method for its trustworthiness criteria. Less dependence on social science method causes what Green identifies as, quote, a blurring of the boundaries between ways of knowing offered by social science and by literature and other humanities, end quote. The following criteria are tentative, and they are best applied to action research that is transformative in nature. For example, research that is linked to some kind of action to change educational, and or institutional practices. Outcome validity or trustworthiness. One test of the validity or trustworthiness of practitioner action research is the extent to which actions occur that lead to a resolution of the problem or a deeper understanding of the problem and how to go about resolving it in the future. The assumption here is that problem solving takes place in the context of the site 
and is solved or understood within those parameters, possibilities, and limitations. We have called this outcome validity or trustworthiness. Watkins points out that, quote, many action research studies abort at the stage of diagnosis of a problem or the implementation of a single solution strategy, irrespective of whether or not it resolves the presenting problem, end quote. Thus, outcome validity is synonymous with the successful outcome of the research project. This, of course, begs the question raised below under democratic validity, that is, successful for whom? Outcome validity also acknowledges the fact that rigorous action research, rather than solving a problem simply, forces the researcher to reframe the problem in a more complex way, often leading to a new set of questions or problems. This ongoing reframing of problems leads to the spiraling dynamic that characterizes the process of most action research over a sustained period of inquiry. Process validity or trustworthiness. Process validity or trustworthiness asks to what extent problems are framed and solved in a manner that permits ongoing learning of the individual or system. In this sense, outcome validity is dependent on process validity in that if the process is superficial or flawed, the outcome will reflect it. Are the findings a result of a series of reflective cycles that include the ongoing problematization of the practices or problems under study? Such a process of reflection should include looping back to re-examine underlying assumptions behind problem definition. Process validity must also deal with the much-debated problem of what counts as evidence to sustain assertions. Here, some criteria might be borrowed from naturalistic inquiry, depending on how evidence is defined. The notion of triangulation, or the inclusion of multiple perspectives, guards against viewing events in a simplistic or self-serving way. Triangulation also can refer to using a variety of methods, for example, observations, journaling, and interviews, so that one is not limited to only one kind of data source. Process is not, however, limited to method. In narrative and self-study forms of inquiry, there are distinct criteria for what makes a good empirical narrative, as opposed to fiction. Connolly and Clannon warn that, quote, not only may one fake the data and write a fiction, but one may also use the data to tell a deception as easily as a truth, end quote. See Connolly and Clannon for an elaboration of validity criteria for narrative research. Democratic validity or trustworthiness. Democratic validity or trustworthiness refers to the extent to which research is done in collaboration with all parties who have a stake in the problem under investigation. If not done collaboratively, how are multiple perspectives and material interests taken into account in the study? For example, are teachers or administrators through action research finding solutions to problems that benefit them at the expense of other stakeholders? Are students and their parents seen as part of the insider community that undertakes this type of research, or are they viewed as outsiders by action researchers? While process validity depends on the inclusion of multiple voices for triangulation, democratic validity views it as an ethical and social justice issue. While collaborative and participatory are sometimes used interchangeably, it is possible for teachers, administrators, and counselors to collaborate in doing action research to solve school problems such as student attendance or attainment. The research becomes participatory when the research subjects or informants, that is, the students themselves, are brought into the research as co-researchers. Making students co-researchers not only is more democratic, it also benefits both students and the study in other ways. See Monica Richards' study in Chapter 3 and Hare's study in Chapter 4 for examples of how making an action research study more participatory can energize all participants and result in better data. 
Another version of democratic validity is what Cunningham calls local validity, in which the problems emerge from a particular context and in which solutions are appropriate to that context. Watkins calls this relevancy or applicability criteria for validity. That is, quote, how do we determine the relevance of findings to the needs of the problem context, end quote. Catalytic validity or trustworthiness. Catalytic validity or trustworthiness is, quote, the degree to which the research process reorients, focuses, and energizes participants toward knowing reality in order to transform it, end quote. In the case of action research, not only the participants, but the action researchers themselves must be open to reorienting their view of reality as well as their view of their practitioner roles. All involved in the research should deepen their understanding of the social reality under study and should be moved to some action to change it or to reaffirm their support of it. The most powerful action research studies are those in which the practitioners recount a spiraling change in their own and their participants' understandings. This reinforces the importance of keeping a research journal in which action researchers can monitor their own change process and consequent changes in the dynamics of the setting. While this criterion overlaps with process and democratic validity, it highlights the transformative potential of action research, which makes it so appealing to many critical pedagogues, staff developers, and school reformers. Dialogic validity or trustworthiness. In academic research, the goodness of research is monitored through a form of peer review. Research reports must pass through the process of review by other researchers in order to be disseminated through academic journals. Many academic journals even provide opportunities for researchers to engage in point-slash-counterpoint debates about research. A similar form of peer review is beginning to develop within and among practitioner action research communities. Many action research groups are forming throughout North America as practitioners seek dialogue with peers. Bias and subjectivity are a part of action research and all research for that matter. That is, the assumption is that practitioner action researchers have experiences and beliefs that come into play as they think about the issues or problems under study. The key is that these experiences and beliefs need to be critically examined rather than ignored. To do this, mechanisms may need to be put in place to ensure that they do not have a distorting effect on outcomes. Lomax, Woodward, and Parker establish the importance of validation meetings in which ongoing findings are defended before one or more critical friends. Bone describes a validation meeting, quote, I asked three people to act as critical friends. One was my deputy principal, one was a member of staff, and the other was from outside the school, a friend who was also a business consultant. I selected my critical friends in order to get a range of different responses to my work. They helped me reflect on my practice and validate my research claims, End quote. In order to promote both democratic and dialogic validity, some have insisted that practitioner action research should only be done as collaborative inquiry. Others simply suggest that action researchers participate in critical and reflective dialogue with other action researchers, or work with a critical friend who is familiar with the setting and can serve as devil's advocate for the alternative explanations of research data. When the dialogic nature of practitioner inquiry is stressed, then studies can achieve what Myers calls, quote, goodness of fit with the intuitions of the teacher community, both in its definition of problems and in its findings, end quote. All of the above validity or trustworthiness criteria for action research are tentative and in flux. We agree with Connolly and Clannan, who, in discussing validity criteria for narrative inquiry, state, quote, we think a variety of criteria, some appropriate to some circumstances and some to others, will eventually be the agreed-upon norm. It is currently the case that each inquirer must search for and defend 
the criteria that best apply to his or her work. End quote. Are the findings of action research generalizable? There are many ways to approach the question of how results of action research are generalized or transferred to other settings, often referred to as external validity, but we suggest one taken from the work of Robert Stake on naturalistic generalization. Although Stake developed this approach to generalization in the context of qualitative, responsive evaluation research, we feel it has powerful implications for action researchers. Stake's concept of naturalistic generalization is similar in many ways to Lincoln and Guba's notion of transferability in which findings are not generalized, but rather transferred from a sending context to a receiving context. According to Lincoln and Guba, quote, if there is to be transferability, the burden of proof lies less with the original investigator than with the person seeking to make an application elsewhere. The original inquirer cannot know the sites to which transferability might be sought, but the appliers can and do. The best advice to give to anyone seeking to make a transfer is to accumulate empirical evidence about contextual similarity. The responsibility of the original investigator ends in providing sufficient descriptive data to make such similarity judgments possible. End quote. Greenwood and Levin discuss this notion under the term transcontextual credibility. Although similar to the notion of transferability, Stake's elaboration of naturalistic generalization is more closely tied to action and therefore will serve our purposes here better. After years of well-documented failure by outside experts to bring about planned change in schools, Stake argues that it is time to rediscover the lessons about change that John Dewey taught us. Quote, Almost absent from mention in the change literature is the common way in which improvement is accomplished, a way followed intuitively by the greatest and the least of our thinkers. It is the experiential way, an evolutionary way, recognized particularly by John Dewey. One may change practice when new experience causes re-examination of problems. Intuitively, we start thinking of alternative solutions. End quote. Besides Dewey, Stake cites the work of Polony and Schoen, who argue that practice is guided less by formal knowledge than by personal knowledge based on personal or vicarious experience. They also argue that resistance to change is often a form of personal protection. Stake's argument stipulates that action or changes in practice usually occur as a result of either some kind of external demand or coercion, or the conviction on the part of the practitioners that an action or change is necessary. We have seen time and again how coercion is successfully resisted by practitioners and how most lasting change takes place through internal conviction, or to use a more popular term, ownership. A further premise is that a practitioner's internal conviction is influenced by a mixture of understanding and faith. Volunteerism. Understanding, a primary goal of action research, is arrived at through dialogue and reflection, drawing on two kinds of knowledge, experiential and propositional. These two kinds of knowledge, according to Stake, are tied to two kinds of generalization, formalistic and naturalistic. Quote, Continuing the analysis, we might say that theory and codified data are the main constituents of our formal, verbalized generalizations, whereas experience, real and vicarious, is the main constituent of the naturalistic generalizations, end quote. Figure 2.1 summarizes this highly condensed chain of influence in which action is influenced by internal conviction, which comes from voluntarism and personal understanding. This, in turn, is achieved by both formal and naturalistic generalization, the latter being the result of direct and vicarious experience. In other words, practitioners tend to find traditional research, which is based on formalistic generalizations, less useful than narrative accounts from schools and classrooms that provide them with vicarious experience. 
Stake describes how naturalistic generalization is different from more traditional, formalistic generalization. The intention of most educational research is to provide formalistic generalization. A typical research report might highlight the correlation between time spent on team projects and gain in scores on an achievement test. The report might identify personally effective and demographic variables. Even with little emphasis on causation, this report is part of the grand explanation of student learning. It provides one way of knowing about educational practice. A more naturalistic research report might deal with the same topic, perhaps with the same teachers and pupils, yet reflecting a different epistemology. The naturalistic data would describe the actual interactions within student teams. The report would probably report project work, conveying style, context, and evolution. A person would be described as an individual, with uniqueness not just in deviant scores, but as a key to understanding the interactions. A reader senses the experience of teamwork in this particular situation. It is a unique situation in some respects, but ordinary in other respects. Readers recognize similarities with situations of their own. Perhaps they are stimulated to think of old problems in a new way. This type of research fits well with current practitioner culture, where, although less systematic, stories are shared daily among practitioners as part of an oral craft tradition. Likewise, Mishler suggests that the structure of the story is built into the human mind, much like deep structures of grammar and it is largely through narratives that humans make sense of and express their understanding of events and experiences. We have limited our discussion to certain issues related to what positivists call the internal and external validity of action research. There are many other issues, issues like how action research generates, tests, or extends social theory, or to what extent action research studies can and should be replicated by other researchers. There are also other ways to think about and justify a study's external validity. We have provided Stake's approach because we find it a compelling way to think about how action research is taken up by other practitioners and researchers.